Yeah, uh-huh, listen up, yeah, I can see you're new to this, you ain't got no job, you ain't got no experience, you're entry level, you ain't got no qualifications, baby, you're entry level. Your entry level, baby. Your entry level. Ooh, yeah. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Nick Turner. Yep. We, uh, I'm doing this way before it comes out because I'm about to go camping. Way before. Yeah. This isn't coming out for three days. <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a Tuesday. In the morning, I'm going, I was going to go on this long, expansive camping trip towards the Tetons. And then I realized um, that would probably be a long time and sad. So I opted instead to go set up just a where did big we... campsite on the Kern River invite and invite a bunch of friends for the 4th of July. Where did you where did we talk about uh, your map? Uh, we talked about my map because I brought it over the last time. No, I mean, on the Patreon or on the regular on the regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that. uh that's how Brooks rolls. He brings a map and he's like, all right, let me find a state. Yeah. And I don't know anyone else who works that way. And that's a really brilliant, <laughs> beautiful mind you have. Okay. Okay. Well, here's what I decided to do instead of a lonely, like 10 hours a day, find a place to sleep um, trip to look at some mountains alone. Instead of doing that, I'm setting up camp on the Kern River tomorrow and it's, have an open invite to uh, about... To a bunch of friends, nice. Wait a minute, I thought I was on some exclusive list. Well, it's just like you. And no, I'm fucking Carl with you. Rutherford, um, Eric Andre. Of course, good. why wouldn't you invite Thune. them? Yeah, it's just like fun. So I'm like Fourth of July. We can't go to the beach. We can camp outside and maintain social distance. That sounds great. And listeners, you're not going to believe it. Nick Turner's in. I bought a tent. He's in. I, he's going to go camping. I cannot believe it. We bought a tent that can only be described as a joke tent. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's like a tent that you would see someone grab in the supermarket suite. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? It just means the most generic, like, in supermarket suite, they just grab, like, a big Right, ham. if there's an item over yeah. $100 in a supermarket, yeah. they're getting that. Yeah, well, I'm just saying it's just, like, a tent. You got a yes, big old tent. Yes. Now, can you tell me what is wrong with my tent? Nothing. It's a great tent. It's, like, uh, it's a perfect tent for car camping, which is exactly what you're going to Why do. is your tent better just because you can hike with it? Yeah, mine just folds down very small and it sets yeah. up. You set up by yourself in like uh, 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Mine's going to take like 90. Yeah, I saw <laughs> on the on the cover of your tent, it shows four people setting it up. We made jokes about that yeah. at Costco. <laughs> and I was like, they just had four actors that day and they yeah. didn't want to waste them. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's going to be <laughs> great. I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a fun. Well, it's going to be you, me, Carl, and Lyra setting it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's going to be great. Where I is it? the kern river it's, i don't know where that is that no one knows where that there's not one single person listening to this that knows where that it is. is north of los angeles it's in the sequoia national forest oh in the snf yeah and here's what i learned last time because gavs and i tried to go camping there over memorial day we're like we'll leave very early friday morning we didn't leave that early friday morning we left at noon on Friday. We got up there around four. There are no more sites of Bureau this, of Land Management. Yes, this was a famous trip. So know. what I'm doing this time is I'm leaving early on Wednesday. 
and I'm going up. I'm getting up there, yeah. and I'm getting a sight right on the river where we can dangle our little tootsies in there. So you're going to tailgate until your friends. Show I'm literally up. going to wait in line. I'm, it's like I'm waiting for um, Black Friday outside of a. You get a tent outside right, of right, a Best yeah. Buy. Could you imagine if I showed up with my six-person tent outside of a Best Buy? <laughs> People do. It's great. Six-person tents. I don't. Know, I'm sure. My God. You know what I want to get are some higher. Oh, I got beach chairs. I want to get those. I'm gonna need higher chairs. I've got a hammock. It's real fun. Oh, we saw hammocks at Costco. You know what? We probably just go back to Costco and get everything. Yeah, I'll try to pick you up one of those. Um, one of those generator things that I generator. I'm I'm salivating over. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it'll be there. So we're gonna we're gonna plug in our queen uh, size. Mayor mattress. You know what else? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up there, and I'm gonna do Patreon episodes with whoever comes up. That's oh what they God. owe me. You're gonna have Patreon episodes but, for two months. But I'm saying that's what they owe me for squatting for our site. Sure, sure. I'm like, that's hey fair. man, I've been up here for that's two days fair. alone. That's there's fair. no Wi-Fi. That's absolutely. You fair. have to talk it's a to barter me. system. This, but if po- I love how podcast is like, we're done trying to make money on it. Yeah. Now it's just a barter system. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. One thousand percent. Um, all right, but that being said, I got to get back home and I got to pack so I can get up there and get that nice river spot, baby. Nick, are you ready for this week's listener mail? Please. We had uh, some great listener mail. I chose this one because A, it was funny, and B, it was very short, and I loved that. Pithy. Uh, but send any of your fun job stories to entrylevelbrooksweeland at gmail.com, and I will read them. And keep them pithy. Is it pithy? Is that a word? Pithy. All right. Well, everybody you, listening to this knows what that means. Oh, uh, do they? Yeah. Mm, okay. I don't know. Uh, this one uh, comes from Brett. He goes, "Hey Brooks, I was just listening to Sean Green's episode, and in the introduction, what introduction? I love it. Oh my god! You're coming up with new slang. Doesn't that make you feel bad? And, yeah, yeah. That I have never done it. <laughs> yeah. Introduction. I that am, is incredible. I'm disgusted by myself. Wait. Wow. Quick question, Nick. We're recording this at your house. Why do you have a Walking Dead baseball bat? Uh, great question, um, because uh, old friend Rebecca Trent and I used to watch Walking Dead together. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when I moved, she gave me this thing to wear as an albatross around my fucking neck, because now I got a big bat that I got to find a place for every time I move. <laughs> it's so big. It's so big. And it's in the package, you know, for it's resale value. Pa- <laughs> Well, I I don't know if it if works in context without the packaging. It's it's weird both ways. It would have made sense that year. Yeah. But now it needs the packaging. Mm-hmm. It's just a baseball bat wrapped. It's Lucille in, from Walking Dead. Yeah, wrapped in uh, barbed wire. Wrapped in barbed wire. I, look, I, I I'm not into that. I'm not, I'm not a nerd. Okay, I only like Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. Star Wars. Sure. I like. I'm, yeah. a, I'm not. Cool a, stuff. I'm not, I like the cool stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, you keep yeah. telling me. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, our friend Brett was listening to the introduction uh, wow. for, Sha- for Sean Green, and someone was talking about a job at a carnival. It reminded me, which I think this is a great space, mm-hmm. the carny space. Mm-hmm. If you've ever, listeners, if you've ever worked as a carny or in a carnival, I think you should do a season about it. Entry level. <laughs> With Brooks Wheeling at Jim and I. A carny oh, season. A carny season would be so dope. Well, it'd be weird because you, those people, they're don't, off the grid. Yeah, they don't have, com- they, they would need <laughs> to find Wi Fi. You want to talk? <laughs> it's been years, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so this, he told me his dad had a carny job. 
Uh, it reminded me of my dad told me he had when he was a little kid. This quote unquote job involved, and this is the carniest of a carny thing to do. Sure, it's great. This is Carney Wilson right here. Carney Wilson, yeah. He goes, he goes. My dad. It involved my dad walking around a carnival. This is when he was a little kid. So there's a little kid. He, it was uh, child labor carny stuff. Um, it, he involved my dad walking around a carnival with a stuffed bear that was bigger than he was, and that was it. That's all he did. He it was, was his job. His job. They paid my dad to do this because people would see this and think, uh, oh, oh, you can if win. That kid can win a giant stuffed bear. So can I. Oh, he Which was a natu- kid. He's a, yes. I'm saying oh, they're doing child I labor. See, I see. I see. These carnies are smart. I think it would be more fun if it was like a 50 year old dad. <laughs> just hanging out with a bear. But it's still bigger than him. If that yeah, old geezer bigger, can yeah. win a bear that big. Yeah. If that guy could win that 9,000 pound bear. Yeah, exactly. But he said, uh, I don't know if that's common carnival practice or just a local owner knowing how greed works. Obviously, those games are all rigged, so it's a pretty clever way to get people to dump all their cash. Thanks, Brett. Incredible, Brett. I never even thought about it. That's that's such a good deal. What you should have. um, You you should. I don't know. I'm trying to think like a like a hobo coming out of Best Buy with like a giant TV that you paid him to get so someone's like well he can have that tv well if that hobo had two thousand (laughs) dollars i must have (laughs) exactly exactly um there's got to be other carny stories did you ever what was the carnival was i ever a carny i wasn't well did you have a carnival to come Um, down no because i lived in richmond virginia Mm -hmm. and and that's always a carnival we lived i mean it's the mech because there's uh uh bush gardens and king's dominion in richmond wow and so it was an embarrassment of riches for a kid. And I had a King's Dominion pass every year. I, what is this? This is a nice amusement park? King's Dominion. Yeah, it's a it's a nice amusement park. Mm-hmm. Um, well, fuck you. Don't you think, like, when, wherever you are, like, you're like, everybody must know about this amusement park. Yeah, the, for me, I'm Everybody like, knows about Richmond's amusement yeah, park. If, this is me explaining the zipper at Delaware County Fair. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know about the zipper at Delaware County Fair? You got yeah. in it, you flipped around. We did have the state fair in Richmond, too. Um, but uh, we didn't need it because it's like, yeah. yeah, I don't need like the like racist southern aspect of mm-hmm. uh, Kings Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need to like add a pig contest right. to right. what is already the greatest time yeah. of my life. Here's here's where I grew up. Um, the Iowa State Fair, my mom was said, was for city people. <laughs> <laughs> so we never went to that. That's, That's really that was funny. for city people. I could go to the Delaware County Fair because that was for that was for real My country people. God, yeah. we had different views. <laughs> oh, the State Fair. The Iowa State I was State like, Fair I don't want to be around those hayseeds. The, the Iowa State Fair was for uh, city people. So I would go once a year. The Delaware. That's why came. you hung out in the fucking caves mm-hmm. so much. Yep, yep, You're cave people. Yeah, we're we're cave people here. <laughs> Uh, so the Delaware County Fair would roll into town once a year and blow the doors off Manchester, and it was fucking best. That's it was great. incredible. That's weird when your county's named just a different state. It was so confusing. It was really confusing as a little kid. I went now, to, where do I live? I went to West Delaware Elementary School in Manchester in Delaware County. I was very confused as a child. Um, but uh, I remember one time at the, at the carnival, I stole um, a little bunny. Because you could win bunnies, you could win ducks and bunnies. If you threw a ring around something, you wanted like you, actual a baby duck or a baby bunny. What are you gonna do? That with they're that? they're just they're hopping around being cute as fuck in this little. Hi, we got a winner here, kid. Mind killing this? 
So anyway, we, you know, we uh, are, I had one of my friends, I wanted a bunny so bad. Uh, I had one of my friends, you know, like, like, I don't know, trick a carny while I just reached over and grabbed a bunny. So I had a bunny. Not hard to do. I had this bunny and it was fucking great, but I'm in like seventh grade and I'm trying to figure out how I can tell my mom I found a bunny at the fair. Wait, why do you have to find it? She would be mad if I won it, but I was like, <laughs> would she just be like, we don't have, we don't, you don't get to just go get a bunny. But I was like, I'll tell her I saw it like in a backyard and it was hurt. And oh, then, oh, you're a hero. Yeah, I'm just trying. You know how you you were. That's like you know yeah. when you're the worst liar, but you think you're great yeah. at it. I realized there's no way around like having a bunny. I already had a guinea pig, so I had a riches of delightful wow. animals. And then I had to um, walk back over and then just put the bunny back in it. And the oh carny was God. like, "Hey, I'm like I'm doing the opposite of stealing. Ah. I stole and I'm bringing it back. <laughs> hey, trick me once. Yeah, I like that is a good game at a carnival. Trick a carny." <laughs> And you get a bunny. You get a bunny for a while. But man, that was fun. They had a they had a Titanic. Well, I wonder how many, what percentage of bunnies won at carnivals, uh, the person has for the rest of the <laughs> Looking back, those fuck, it was just so many bunnies and ducks. You could also you want a duck. They're cute when they're little. And then guess what? You just have a duck now. You have a duck? Did you have a pond? I no. You could just take one. Crazy. I don't know what to tell you. It was wild. Delaware no. County Fair was nuts. This is a great ad for King's Dominion. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> and then th- there are also tractor pulls at this where how, like, can your tractor pull this much weight? And when we got to high school, we were over stealing bunnies and ducks. We were into launching water balloons from the cornfield into the stands <laughs> of the tractor pull. Somebody, I had a friend uh, get caught stealing at King's Dominion. Oh, really? From the gift shop. Wow. They stole, I think, a hairbrush. Okay. And got caught. Mm-hmm. And had, I think their parents had to come. <laughs> to King's Dominion, which it's it's almost an hour outside of the city. <laughs> that sucked. Oh, boy. That's not ideal. <laughs> but did you... I feel like we really glossed over how we hurled uh, missiles that could really hurt people oh, yeah. who are just trying to enjoy a nice tractor pull. Well, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on uh, today with all these fireworks, mm. you know? Also, uh, at the fair one time, I rode a sheep. I did a sheep riding contest when I was like six. I got on a sheep. And? And it ran into a wall, and I fell oh, off, fuck. and I barely I barely And that's why you, 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 you never ride sheeps today. Mm-hmm. I gave up my sheep riding. Yeah. Yep. Well, happy fourth. I also won. This is a nice little Delaware County shout out. The um, cow chip throwing contest for my age, which means I threw. Uh, cow shit? Cow chip. They were called. It was called the cow chip toss, which is cow shit. And this is for city kids. No, no, no. This was for county kids. This is the one your mom let yeah, you. Yeah, go this to. is the one that was. This is for these are farm people. This is Delaware. <laughs> yeah, county. yeah, yeah. This is. They're not throwing cow shit at the Iowa State Fair, but the Delaware County Fair. I'm hucking that stuff. Uh, Brooks, I, I feel <laughs> like I, I just want to hug you. It was great. I won. I have no more questions as to how you ended up this way. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get to this week's uh, uh, interview. I just had it. It was with the really, really, really funny um, comedian, Casey Corbin. He's it's Canadian as hell. It's very Canadian. He's got an incredible story about The Undertaker, an even better one about um, fucking Van Halen. He was a big Van Halen fan. None of this sounds Canadian, but all right. Well, they come through Canada. 
okay. he's a giant Van Halen fan, and then he catered a Van Halen concert, and it didn't go so good. Catered? For him. Well, he worked at a catering. Oh, business. because he didn't uh, take out all the M and M's. Uh, just listen. You'll find out. He's incredible. He's the best. Listen next week to find out how Nick and I enjoyed our camping experience, how my squatting on the Kern River went. And uh, yeah, subscribe to the Patreon if you want to get some Riverside chats uh, coming up in the next few weeks. I love you. I love you so much, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Casey Corbin. Thank you. Um, dude, how's it going? It's going pretty good, uh, despite the quarantine, like everywhere else. Uh, you're just trying to keep ends, uh, you know, just keep just keep busy. That's all. Yeah, yeah. This you will have by far. I will say, I've I've been doing. I don't like doing it over Zoom. This uh, podcast as much, but the good thing is, I get to see what people are into. You have the fucking coolest background of anyone I've ever seen in one of these. Oh, thank you. It's uh, it's uh, it's. I have a wrestling podcast. Yeah. And, uh, and I've like, I just, I don't know when I, for, I, in 2014, I went down and did Vince's and Matt McCarthy's wrestling podcast. Yeah, Vince, Vince, and was, got me. Vince hit me up the other day and it was like, dude, why, why have you done Casey yet? I'm like, I meant <laughs> like, you're going to love it. But okay. So I'm just gonna give listeners a quick background. Yeah. Jim, the anvil, uh, what's, uh, what, what? Neidhart. Lionheart. What, what, what's his last name? Yeah, Jim Neidhart, yeah. Neidhart, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got signed. What, who's over here? That's uh, Everybody's this. either signed or, or like there's a Wrestling Eye cover with Ric Flair signed yep. autograph. Hitman. Uh, Bret Hart. Uh, uh, my friend did a uh, – he does pixel drawings or marky dr Sharpie drawings. Right. So that's all done with Sharpie and Brett signed it. That's incredible. Can you take the photo of that and send it to me and I'll put it on the Instagram so people can see it? Yeah, of course, of course. Fuck so yeah. it's just like whenever people get me to do their shows, because they usually bring me in as a wrestling guy, mm -hmm. it, it just makes sense to have a good wrestling backdrop. And uh, and if I want to do my podcast on air, it makes sense to have it too. So No, it's great. It's cool as shit. Um, my background is just an unfinished room that I keep telling myself, oh, I'm going to get to this. <laughs> That's the living room. We have a TV. <laughs> And then there's nothing on the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is in my yeah. uh, this is my uh, quote unquote office um, that I never work in. Uh, but Casey's a great comedian. If you haven't seen him, check him out. There's a link in this uh, episode description to check out Casey's shit. Um, Casey, where are you? Where are you living right now? I'm in Toronto. Uh, I'm from outside of Ottawa originally, mm -hmm. and started in Ottawa, and then I moved to Toronto in about uh, 2002. Okay. And I've been here ever since. So. Yeah, because you, I met you down here. You you come down and you like hang with Vince and those yeah. dudes, and that's where I met you. And then yeah. so for some reason, I thought you were living down here, but you never, you've never moved to the states. No, I've always contemplated like making the jump and doing the, uh, getting the, uh, trying to get my green card or trying to get this or trying to get that. Right. And. Uh, I don't know. I just never, I never did it, but I started coming down in 2014 and I would go, I'd come back down. Like I basically make trips every year. I'd go out and do the West coast. And at the end of the West coast tour, I just slide down from Vancouver down to, uh, you know, right down into LA. Okay. We're back. We had, I did make sure that this was actually recording and Casey and I weren't just catching up as how friends should do. Yeah. We gotta, totally. make, sure, we gotta make sure we can monetize it. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so you were talking. Right. You were just talking about how you you come to LA when you're on runs 
However, you know what? You know what city I think is the coolest city in the world is Vancouver. It is a great city. I've never it's been there, but it's great. I've it's never so been good. there. In my head, it just seems perfect. Well, look at you're on the weather. It's the weather's very similar to Seattle, but mm -hmm. it gets a little more sun. And if you want to drive the snow, it's an hour away. Yeah, and we're talking nuts hills, mountains. Right. Like mountains of yeah. quality skiing. The world's greatest skiing is an hour away. And that, or you're on the beach. Yeah. And British, it's just, it's great. British Columbia seems so fucking rad. I've never been. I got to go. Can't go right yeah. now. Because you guys are, were rightful to be like, no more Americans. Yeah. Which is good because certain, like Ricky Bronson's opening up his clubs again. And now Canadian headliners are getting to work them finally. <laughs> So it's just like, oh, my God. And he, I'm sure he's saving money because, right. you know, I think Jay Moore once referred to us as uh, $1,200 ham and eggers. Okay. You know, because I think, I think that, I, that's an old wrestling term. Right, so right. I, I embrace it. But, like, he's talking about playing Calgary and playing uh, um, uh, the, uh, the oh, jeepers, what is it? Uh, oh, the laugh shop in Calgary. Okay. And he goes, and he was on, uh, I can't remember who he's talking to. Maybe somebody else, though, they, where they played that club. And, uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, the guy there does it right. You know, what, who else is he going to rely on? He has to bring in big names. He can't rely on the $1,200 ham and eggers that they have up there. And I was like, yeah, maybe we don't bring in the crowds, but, right. you know, we do okay. Yeah, yeah, so, hey, people, people who get the free tickets to come and eat there, you are a surprise that it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And those yeah. are the shows that we're on. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I'm but saying that's what – when I whenever I do, like, um, like the fucking Oxnor, Oxnard Improv, it seats 500, and I do nine shows, you know, like, I'm like – I can't sell this many tickets. So it's a lot of free, like people like got tickets and then they're like, wow, that was actually great. I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Well, how's Canada doing during all of the, um, during the uh, coronavirus? Are you, have you guys flattened it fully or what? No, no. Everything is sort of going up again. Uh, people are forgetting to just do what you're supposed to be doing. Right. And, uh, we just have a smaller population density, so our numbers are really are way smaller than what's going on on in below uh, the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, uh, Toronto is like one of the worst spots. Montreal is the worst. Toronto, but it's only because we have the biggest population. Yeah, uh, everything's fairly spread out. Like our cities are socially distanced. Everything's mm -hmm. two hours, two hours, two hours, yeah. four hours, eighteen hours. You know, so uh, it, the maritime, I mean, the, the prairies and out west, it's all open up. Like, they're already going into phase three. Yeah. And in Toronto, we just started phase two. Yeah, my, so, family, my family lives in Iowa. Um, I don't know if you know this. It never got there, apparently, if you talk to them. It, oh. I'm just saying it did, but they did nothing. They, they, Iowa's the only state that did zero shutdown. Zero anything. And my brother was bragging about not having a mask. I'm like, that's not something to brag about. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I know. We had, from, I went back home uh, when the phase two opened up. I rented a car and I drove up. I'm only, only five hours away okay. from where I grew up. So I go up there. They've, in their uh, county, which is a fairly big area of land, 
they've had seven people with COVID and only one person that died and they were 89. Right. So yeah. nobody takes it serious up there. No, exactly. That's like when, when John Prine died of COVID, I'm like, he had eight cancers too. I was like, COVID was licking its lips when it saw John Prine. <laughs> I mean, it's a nightmare. He's one of my favorite, greatest musicians of all time. But it's very serious and everyone should take it serious. That's not what the podcast is about. The podcast no. is about what you were just talking about. What's the name of the town that you're from? Sounds like a fun place. It's from, it's Arnprior. What? And, uh, that sounds like a fucking wrestling it's, move. It's it's Scottish. It's Iron Pryor. And uh, okay. the, way I, the way I describe it is, if Richard Pryor had a, no, a younger brother named Arnold, that everyone just called him Arn. Okay. Arn Pryor. Ar- Arn Pryor. Yeah, it is tough. It's a weird name. So it's outside of Ottawa? Yeah, about an hour outside of Ottawa. And okay. this is funny. So recently... Um, it, we're just a small town. It, I grew up 6,000. It might be 10,000 now. Oh, so see, anyways, I, I grew up 5,000. It's down to 3,000. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's a, that's crazy. We're growing. Um, we're, we have, I think we have, uh, three minorities now in our town. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, we're basically <laughs> predominantly white, right. but you know, but now it's growing and, uh, and ethnicity is coming to town. So, it's uh, it's really great. Uh, don't you feel suppose, don't you feel bad for um, like the people of color who moved to an all white town? You're like you you poor poor guys. This well, town there must two, suck. There were two kids that in my school. They were adopted by a white family, mm-hmm. and uh, and they were. I just think they must have had like I would love to talk to them now because they must have had the worst just experiences being amongst an because there's. There's hate in every town. Yeah. And when you're a predominantly white town, if you don't have black people to make fun of, you'll just find the poorest white family and make fun of them. Right. Yes. You know? and, yeah. And it's, like, uh, it's weird. Yeah. Like my like defense that I realized it was wrong was I was like, no, we, we were in a racist town because there was literally only white people. And then I'm like, oh, no, we were still a racist town. For oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were, yeah. You were just mean to each other. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like you're trying to balance the racism out. You're like, well, does it really come from hatred or is it just a joke, you know, or whatever, Oof. you know? It's yeah, just, no, it's, it's not. Uh, yeah, I would. It's, uh, it's not definitely good. not what it used to be, you know. Like most of my uncles have passed away, so that's right. a good. Thing. <laughs> um, I had to, I tried you know. this joke on stage. It just didn't connect. I was like, you've never had to ask my uncle what color some guy was, because uh, <laughs> every story is like. So my neighbor, Jim, black guy, he's, he comes over, you know, like no matter what. So, so I'm yeah, down yeah. At, with Tony, uh, Polak and, um, you know, then me and Tony, we're fucking having a nice time. And I'm just like, why do I need to know what Tony is? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. You just need to know. He's you just a, need- that's a, a rainbow, a <laughs> rainbow of, of, of friendships. Yes, exactly. So- you know, that's what I was like. He's friends with all sorts of different ethnicities, which I didn't expect. Pretty cool. Um, okay. Um, so yeah. you're an Arn, Arn prior. Yeah. Uh, yeah, outside town. Ottawa, five thousand people. Yeah, then and and then it's just on the outskirts of Ottawa, and uh, which um, can I ask just a just a basic question, real quick? Yeah, uh, two questions, two Canadian questions. Okay. What is Ottawa known for? You know, like what? Because I really only yeah. know Montreal and Toronto. No, what they're known no. for? Well, this is a great question. Ottawa is known for. It is the capital city of Canada. It's our Washington D.C. It's our uh, where our Parliament is, our Parliament okay. Hill, all our Parliament buildings, and it's also 
uh, the town that's responsible for giving uh, giving us Alanis Morissette, mm -hmm. uh, Paul Anka, uh, Tom Green, John Doerr, uh, and so many Matthew Perry. Okay. Uh, so many, so many famous people of well, talented people have come out of Ottawa. Right. And also, so. listeners, if you haven't, if you're a new listener, go back and listen to John Doerr's episode. I think it was episode two. He has a lot of. I, for, he, I forgot that he was from Ottawa. One of the funniest fucking people and episodes. Yeah. One of the best guys, best guys. Just talked to him today, actually. So, oh, incredible. Guy. That's great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what's, what's uh, oh, and a second question. This is coming out right at um, 4th of July here in America. What's yes. you guys' 4th of July? Tomorrow, Canada is, Day. Yeah. Canada Day is July, is July 1st? July 1st, yeah. And it rolls right into the American weekend, which we'll celebrate that too. Hell yeah. So it's like, it's like you guys get the long weekend regardless, but we'll always, we'll kick it off on a Wednesday. <laughs> You know, yes. And tomorrow no. you'll hear the tragically hip and rush playing from every house. Okay, it'll be it's <laughs> it's great. And in Ottawa, it is the best because they throw a party right on Parliament Hill where the Parliament is, and they have a big stage and they have fireworks and they'll have all Canadian uh, musicians and it's fantastic. Ottawa Canada Day is one of the best days that you'll ever have as far as party goes. Oh, uh, yes. It's great. It's That's, so great. Okay. Well, I'm glad I asked both those questions. I didn't know that we were so close. Um, incredible. Uh, all right. So let's get back to um, Arn Pryor. So yeah. you're growing up there. Young Casey, uh, are you into – what are you into? Uh, basically, you know, like sports but not good at it. I love yeah. hockey. I love uh, – I like playing – I was – I love baseball, but I was afraid of getting hit by the ball. So, so scary. Uh, it's so scary. Like, yeah, I don't want anything thrown at me. No, I, I look, don't. man, I have no control over that ball. And the, a guy my exact age is throwing it at me. He's not and like. He might, and he might not like me. You know, <laughs> so it can very easily turn into a game of pluck or revenge or whatever you call it. Yeah. And no, no, thank you. Like once the ball came off the tee, I retired. Yeah. I retired from ball and I became an umpire. And I, uh, I ump games, oh, is this $5 a game. Is this one of your first so, jobs? One of my first jobs. Oh, first job man. Was Paperboy. Paperboy. Okay, Paperboy. Let's talk it. about that. Then we'll seamlessly transition over to there. So you, you uh, have the job in Ottawa of Paperboy, which I'm guessing, wonderful in the summer, hell nightmare in the winter. Yeah. There were times where the driveway would be so frozen with ice, I could not make it up the driveway. <laughs> I was literally, like, sliding down crawling up the driveway trying yeah. to get this paper to them you know <laughs> and uh the paper was all soaked by the end of it because i'm <laughs> all over the place yeah it was it was crazy the winters were horrible but i just put on my my walkman my toque and scarf and just went out and did it i had uh, 36 houses on my roof so okay so how old were you when you were doing that uh i started that probably in grade four how did you, I kept it grade four, grade five. No, no, not grade four. That was a little, no, grade five, grade, I'd say grade six to grade nine. Three so years. like 12 to six, 12 to 15. Yeah, I have a late birthday. So it's even like 11 to 14 okay. type thing. Yeah. Cool. And so that's how, any, any crazy stories? Was it one of those uh, paper routes where you had to collect the money and people were trying yes. to stiff you? No, you had to collect the money. One guy never liked collecting. So he would just pay for the whole card the whole time. Yeah. So he so 
he would pay for the whole thing. So he would give you like, here's a hundred dollars. Don't come back in eight weeks. Yeah. And then I'm like, that wasn't eight. I'm like, ah, you know, that's a hundred dollars. You yeah. know how many records that is? Oh yeah. So, uh, great great it was good it was good money like i would make like you know 40 45 50 dollars a week into a, an early teen i'm only buying tapes records and jeans yeah like in shoe and saving for shoes because shoes were come grade nine ten shoes were everything in high okay. school really oh yeah nike air i got nike air prepare nike air revolutions okay. like oh they were like they were like the I don't know. Air Jordan wasn't as popular yet as the Revol- like the commercial was banned because they used the Beatles without using the copyrights. Oof. And these shoes were just great. And they had the bubble in them. And oh, they I used to have all the basketball shoes, but never play basketball. Yeah, yeah. So I've, yeah. I've never I've lucked out and I'm not a sneaker guy, but I've I've put all of the money I would put into sneakers into records. So it's like I die I'm like I'm I, I'm like when I try to act like I'm better than sneaker collectors, they're like, well, are you broke too? I'm like, well, yeah, because I like records. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bought those too. I bought yeah. tapes and records and like, and everything. Like I would go usually two records a week okay. like, or every, every paycheck I'd go buy two albums. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, so that was the paper route, but that quarter, but um, somebody every now and again, I, I give my papers to somebody else when I go on vacation. Okay. And uh, the person I give it to, I uh, gave it to, uh, his mom sort of, um, she booked the umpires and stuff like that. And she worked out of the the, uh, the Civic Center, which okay. ran community things. So that so she ended up hiring, like once I went and took the umping course, basically she became my boss uh, as an umpire. Right, okay, so, so that's, how you, that's how you landed over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you enjoy umpiring? I was really bad at it. I only did it once, and, it, and I, I got was yelled horrible. at. Horrible! I was horrible because the t-ball was easy. That was great. I liked t-ball. It made me laugh. Um, once we got into the girls' softball, we were getting near girls my age. I wasn't. I couldn't focus on the batter box. I was looking at other parts. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's oh, horrible. No. But but I was. But that I couldn't help it. I was just a kid, and. Uh, one time I called a full account and the girl turned around. She said it was only four pitches, Casey. And <laughs> Wait, tell me, do you call it a full account? Well, full account, you know, just full account, you know, you got, yeah, but, stuff. yeah, but it's full, but I didn't know if it was a Canadian thing to call it a full account. Cause it's full count. Yeah. It's full count. Are I you... just thought it was full account. <laughs> Either way, the account's full. Right. No. With balls I, and strikes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the account is full with balls and strikes, but I've never heard it called full account. I thought it, maybe it's a Canadian thing. It's it not. It might be. It might be just me. Yes. So I, don't even make it a Canadian so thing. You're an you're an umpire who doesn't know one of the most basic sayings in baseball. <laughs> and I took a course. Oh, and you had to take a course. Incredible. So she turns around. She tells you, "No, man, I have another pitch." Yes. Yeah, so it's only been four pitches. <laughs> And then I looked at the picture, at the picture, and she nodded yes. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, two, two. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> That's incredible. Like, yeah, so that was like probably my worst uh, experience, except one time they got me to do fastball. I don't do fastball because those are people my age. And then if I don't call it right, 
I'm going to get beat up at school the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was afraid of the ball. So I was wearing like hockey equipment <laughs> underneath my jogging pants. Like I wore a, a Cooperall's girdle where yeah. that was all padded. I wore a jock and, uh, you know, and I showed up. And these games, you get $15 a game. That's like okay. one game in one night usually. So uh, the worst thing is that I brought my buddy to be my first base coach. And uh, I first, forgot. First base, first base first umpire. Base, first base up. yes. You, yeah. sh- you have no business in this game. <laughs> no, I'm horrible. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, the worst thing is I forgot my counter, my full, my full of yeah. bank account. You know, yeah. the counter. Yeah. So I, I'm with that. So I forgot the counter. So I'm counting the pitches on my fingers behind my back, behind home plate, like balls and strikes. Yeah. And I'm trying to get them all together. It's horrible. I did the same thing, full account, four pitches. I got her this time. I was not looking at my guy's asses. Right. I was just confused. I asked my buddy who had a counter, can I have the counter? He goes, no, I need a counter. I'm like, I'm calling fucking strikes and balls. You can just ask me. Like, <laughs> he goes, he goes, like, it was just horrible. I was a horrible lump, and uh, I never had parent problems. I was very lucky. And, uh, yeah, that was, you know, the hardest part was spraying down the helmets after the games so nobody gets sliced. Yeah. So. Well, okay. All right. Okay. Quick, quick question. Um, Cause I'm interested in this different regions have different treats at the baseball uh, concession yeah. stand. What was the go-to baseball concession stand treat? Okay. Well, the concession stand, I ended up working there too. And the concession stand was like a Coke trailer. Okay. And it was like a just trailer open. So they had a wide variety of treats like chips and chocolate bars. And you could get like, uh, a hot dog microwaved or a oh. chuck wagon microwave. Which What's a like, chuck wagon? It was a hot dog bun with ham, uh, 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 salami, and uh, cheese slice. And then it was microwaved. So, and you, sometimes you use mustard on it. So what? that was called a chuck wagon. It's a ham and salami sandwich. But on and, a hot dog uh, bun. On a hot dog bun. And it was open-faced. And you got it open-faced. And it was like, curled up after being in the microwave the meat was all curled i bet it was pretty good it was very good yeah okay chuck wagon sold like that so all right all right that's see that's what i'm trying to get to i'm trying to find the chuck wagon of every regional you know yeah we had walking tacos you couldn't fucking go to a baseball concession stand and not not get yourself a walking taco delicious yeah, i heard about those it's crazy they're so uh, good I fucking want them so bad. Hot walking taco and watching my brother strike out in baseball, thinking, thank God I'm not out there. Wonderful. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, you umpire and then you moved to the concessions or what happened? Yeah, I went, I started working in the concessions and then, uh, cause there were certain events like our town would have uh, a festival every year, like a country music festival. And uh, that when you worked at concessions then it was like really busy so I would be like a helper and then they had like all these older high school girls there, but they were all like super pretty. And I was like a horny little kid. I don't know. <laughs> I just like being around pretty girls. Like when I was just a kid, like I was just chubby little kid, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah like, so anyways, well, not that big. Like I went in grade nine, I was on the wrestling team, but I didn't know about weight. Okay. I keeping weight. So I reached 136 and the, and the, and I got cut, but, uh, cause I was not going to beat anybody at 136, but maybe at 125, yeah. maybe I could, but yeah. no, 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 so, I, yeah, you, um, you have to be very good. Like one, 
in in the, when I was growing up, growing up, 103 and 112 freshman, you could do okay. And if you were really good, you could do well above 112. I wasn't, and I wrestled 119. I just got fucking stomped because you're wrestling like 18 year olds. You're 14. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And that I was at 119. So- I can't imagine 136. I, I I didn't know anything about weight. I'm a chubby kid. I'm like, <laughs> screw this. Screw wrestling. One I time. Like, I, I went to football. I went to football, and I played yeah. football all throughout high school. No problems. Gained weight. Everything's good. So. Dude, one time, when I didn't know how to cut weight properly as a freshman, and one t- the guy who wrestled 112, uh, the weight below me, was the state champion that year. His name is Adam Gottschalk. He's a very rad dude. Incredible wrestler. Uh, winning state's very hard to do. And uh, one time, there was a really – Tough guy wrestling 119 at the other team. So we were going to switch weights because Adam could beat that guy. And then maybe I could beat their 112 pounder. But I had to lose weight to get to 112 from 100 from like 125. And I didn't think about it. I'm stupid. I lost all the weight uh, just by like sweating in a sauna. And then as soon as I weighed in, I ate a foot long um, <laughs> seafood sensation from Subway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not thinking like, hey, maybe you should like kind of ease back into food. You just kind of starved yourself for a few days. So I ate yeah. that and pounded a big slam Mountain Dew and then had to go wrestle and I threw up on the mat. Oh. Yeah, it was, I was so, it was so sloppy. I remember we went into overtime at like 16 to 16, which means it was a very high scoring match. And then we went into <laughs> overtime and I'm like, I can't do this, man. And I just barfed. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. I, like making weight and all that stuff is like this. The, the sport is tough, tough enough as is. Right. And then the idea that you have to have a model diet as well. <laughs> no, no thanks. No thanks. Uh, football way more easier. Yeah. But, football, yeah. but I was too small for football. Also not coordinated. Um, so, so what did you play in football? Uh, tackle and uh, O-line, a little bit of D-line. But yeah. I was better on offensive line because it's just pushing people out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or holding or holding them from going somewhere. Yeah, it yeah. Was either just hold them or push them, you know. And like, I was I was pretty good at it. So great, you know. Yeah, it was like yeah, the first sport that I was like fairly good at. Yeah, that I could make the team consistently every year. And yeah, I was pretty happy with it. But okay, cool. Yeah. So what else are you doing in high school? Are you because there's no way you just stay at that concession stand? All oh the no. Years. Once once high school ended. Um, the first year of, uh, of uh, my first summer job was uh, I worked at a Cal Info Systems, which was a disc manufacturer plant. And um, I worked there for the summer, basically packaging uh, floppy disks and three and a, three and a quarter inch disks and okay. working in their packaging plant. And I was 14. I lied about my age to get the job because you had to be 15 to work at a plant. And I said, <laughs> they just looked at 1973. They didn't do the math. Yeah. I didn't say anything. And then one day there, um, I got my hand caught in a conveyor belt because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, there, and, was a, there, was, uh, there was a random woman in the, in the, in the fucking arena that day, and you were like, uh-oh. <laughs> Once again, yeah. you know, I was just like, I just caught, I, my hand got caught in a conveyor belt because I wasn't paying attention as I was having a conversation. And, um, and, I passed out and I had to go to the hospital. Wait, and then, what do you mean? So what happened? Like you passed out because it, the, the, when you say conveyor belt, it oh, yeah. just, so it didn't like pull your arm into. No. Pull- so basically if there was like, okay, so this is the conveyor belt here. It's imaginary. 
I'm, okay, for so some it's reason, a flat I'm letting surface. my hand. Yeah, I'm letting my hand go like this. You, wait, so you and then I'm your, pulling it up. So you have your hand. You're pulling it along the, a flat surface. Yeah, I'm putting my hand on the conveyor belt, and I'm okay. pulling it off at the end, that, and I'm yep. putting it back on like a child. Okay, even though I'm 14. Oh and wait, I'm talking to someone. So wait, so you're just playing with it. This isn't part of the job. No, I'm having conversation. Like if <laughs> you and me are here, okay. and this is the conveyor belt. And you're just us. playing with the conveyor yeah. belt. I thought this yeah. was part of your job. No, it's no. We're just talking. <laughs> so as we're talking, I I go and I pulled my I didn't pull off my hand quick enough. Yeah. The next thing you know, it's you hear this, and I look over, and my hand is wedged in between the conveyor belt and the metal end okay. that the conveyor belt would normally just... Yeah, so, that it's feeding discs into. Yeah. So I, like, look at myself, and I'm like, oh! And they let me out, <laughs> and my eyes roll back, and I pass out in the ground. Oh, my and God. And then I have a very... And then I realize, like, I have no threshold for pain. And <laughs> um, and and uh, so I can't... After I come back from the, uh, the, the ambulance, uh, or not the ambulance, I mean the hospital, um, they'd already built a whole thing where you can no longer put your hands on the conveyor belt, which pissed off all the workers because they used to be able to grab four at a time off it, but yep. now they had to wait to grab one at a time because they had to come out the fucking... Because you can't put your hands in there anymore. Yeah, because so they let a child had, work there. Yeah, because everybody hated me. And the fucking... My boss called me useless. <laughs> and I told my dad. <laughs> and my dad went in to... Yeah, dude, taught and like she got in trouble because I told my dad. My dad is a big wig in town, and he <laughs> went and put his foot down. And you know, the fact is, I shouldn't even have been working there. I was fourteen. No. I wasn't mature to work with adults. What's your dad? What's how's your dad a big wig? Well, he's just a car salesman that knows everybody because he's like the town top car salesman. Okay, so, all right. And he was yeah. in he was in all these clubs. Like he joined the Rotary Club, and yeah, he joined the. Knights of Columbus. He's a man about town. Yeah, because the more men he knew, the more people he could sell cars to. It was great. He joined everything. Yeah, my so dad managed sell a car. My dad managed car dealerships in our small town, and yeah, it was like if you you want to be liked in your small town, so people buy cars from you because exactly. they're like that guy's an asshole. They're not going to buy a car from you. Nope. Yeah. So my dad was a very successful car salesman, and uh, and so it's uh, yeah. So so that was my. I remember I had the, the job. I had night shift. I didn't understand night shift. Okay, so. let, me, let me just do a little recap of what has happened since you've been hired at this disc plant. Uh, you put your hand on a thing, your own fault, you smash it, an ambulance comes gets you, so they build a thing around it, so now people have to work slower, your boss calls you useless, you go home, cry to your dad about that, he comes <laughs> in, yells at her, she gets in trouble. You are... An awful employee. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, there was one day I was working shift work, and I worked the, uh, the, the, the night shift. But, oh, before I got the job, I already had tickets to see David Lee Roth and Poison. <laughs> yes. So, so what happened was I biked out to work at 8 o'clock in the morning to do the day shift. I right. was like, I'll just go in and put in a day shift. Nobody, no, no difference. <laughs> so I show up for the day shift. They're like, what are you doing? You work at four. I was like, yeah, but I got to, I got to go to this concert in Ottawa tonight. I can't make it tonight. So I'm here today to work. They're like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 14. What do you expect? Why'd you hire me? 
You know, you can't oh, put my. this on me. Well, they're like, well, technically, we can put it on you. You lied to us. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm, I'm not of age of consent. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. And, so. daily, and, day, and that was my first concert. So there was no way I was missing. So you went? Yeah, of course I went. Yeah, they said, <laughs> they said, they said, don't come in tonight. Come back tomorrow night at four o'clock. But right. you can, they're like, just take the night off. Okay. okay so they yeah. gave me the night off. And uh, I went and saw David Lee Roth and Poison in eight, 1988. So that was great. Um, that, sounds, that sounds rad as hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not, like seeing, that's not like seeing them now. You saw them in the 80s when they were supposed to be. I saw David Lee Roth when he was still in his prime. Incredible. Was, and, which is, but hey, I flew to Vegas this year to see him in those fucking shows and his residency when everybody shit all over him. And I, went and, and I still went and see him in Buffalo when he came through town with Kiss before all this shit happened. Yeah. I saw David Lee Roth three times this year just because he's David Lee Roth and I'm a Van Halen fucking fanatic. Yeah, Diamond, so, Diamond Dave. Yeah, uh, Diamond okay, Dave. so yeah. in, that, that's an incredible story. How long do you work at this place? It sounds like you have just, a lot of just the sum, Just the summer. Okay. And then the next summer job was uh, I always had to get a – well, if I didn't get a job, I would get a uh, – I would get a – I needed a reason to stay home or otherwise I had to go to the cottage for the summer. Wait, so what's, the, would, what's this cottage? Oh, it's like our, oh, it's a, a cabin. Um, it's a cabin in the woods. And I know you're a big camp guy. Right, and, but, but I'm, but you camp bare bones. No, sure. But I'm saying the reason, but I hated camping growing up because I lived in a house deep in the woods. So I fucking hated it. I hated being out of town. When we moved into town, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So okay. I understand your willingness as a, because guess where your friends don't live? The cottage. Exactly, exactly. Guess where we have to pile wood all the time? The yes, cottage. yes, my house yeah. out in the woods. We heated by a goddamn fireplace. We had yeah. a heater. We just didn't use it because there was three yeah. kids who could fucking no. chop wood all summer. Chop wood and pile wood. Yeah. Hated it. And even when Rocky Four tried to make it cool, no fucking way. I still <laughs> take chopping wood. Dude, it especially in the snow. Dude, my brothers, my brother, and it's because I was the youngest. Chopping wood, I'll tell you what, much cooler than just piling wood. I well, didn't even get to touch the axe. Even if I used to like to be the guy, can I get in the truck and be the thrower off? Yeah. Because that was like the easiest one to do because gravity does most of the work for you. Right. So, you know, that was the spot. But usually some, I got a summer job. So the next job I had. Where was, was the, well, where, time out, where was the, where was the cottage at? Was it like, it, like looking back now, I'm sure it'd be cool to go there. But like as a kid, oh, it was yeah, outside. yeah. Oh, yeah. We still have the cottage. Actually, we have my uncle's cottage and my grandfather's cottage. We have like three cottages and a whole bunch of land up there. Where's it And at? Uh, it's in a town called Calabogie, which is a really small, small town with a ski hill and a resort and, uh, and a racetrack. What territory? And it's in Ontario. Okay. It's about an hour north of Ottawa. Okay, so it's not, too, it's not too far. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, it's about an hour from... Our, our, we lived in a town, and, and uh, our cottage was an hour away. Okay. So we drove an hour to our cottage, and we're beautiful lake. Yep. Uh, you know, and just, cool. And we have cool, just cool when you're oh, cool when you're past twenty two, but before yeah. then, you want to be where the action is. What if Andy yeah. has a party this summer? Girls are going to yeah. be there. Exactly. So what I would do is during school, I would usually either fail a course on purpose, so I had to go to summer school, <laughs> oh my or God. Or I would just uh, drop a class 
So I had to get a credit, make that credit up in summer school. <laughs> so I would have to go to summer school every year, which kept me at home uh, to take, cause I had to take a bus to another town. Yep. So, but I, I wouldn't be at home all the day. I'd be at school all day, but I'd come back and I'd still, so and my dad still had to work in town. It's just, he lived at the cottage in the summer. Okay. So he still popped in and check on me. And, uh, but it was very important for me not to go to the cottage in the summer. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. So I, I always it. made sure I had summer school every year Dude, and I had a job. I so, get it. When, when I graduated high school, my, um, my, I went with my grandpa who passed away. So I'm really like, I got to go on this trip and my, my great, my great uncles, like his brothers and my cousin and my uncle. And we went to, um, uh, just in, uh, right above Minnesota. What's that? Quetico national park. It's like, Oh, Manitoba. Yeah. It's in Manitoba. And, uh, it's like my dream. Now we portaged in canoed, camped on an Island, ate the fish we caught, it's like what I aspire to do every day now. Worst fucking week of my life when it happened, though. <laughs> I was there was like a party at Becky's house I was missing, and I was fuming. I just like you can't take eighteen year olds hate everything unless it's like with their friends. I, I yeah. regret how much I hated that trip. Yes. Oh, yeah, totally. But so, when I could have the cottage myself to have a party with all my friends there, that's when it was great. Fuck so. Yeah. But anyway, I, uh, I ended up, my dad got me a job at uh, his car dealership at the gas station of his car dealership. Dude, I worked at my dad's car dealership washing cars. Yeah, I washed cars and pumped gas. And, uh, you know, and uh, it was crazy. It was, uh, it was like all, this, all the dealers, all the car dealers' sons mm -hmm. all worked there. And it was like a privilege. Like you had to be a car dealer's son to work there. They're like, they were like, we're waiting for you. You know, we knew you'd work here eventually. My brother worked there before me. Cool. And, uh, and it was just cool kids from high school working at this uh, gas station. And then uh, one time... That the, sounds like, incredible. The gas station had oh, a, a chip wagon across the street, like a, a chip stand or a, like a fry a, truck. It's oh, Canada, French fries. These, like a French yeah. fry stand? Okay. Yeah. We, in Canada, we have uh, wagons or trucks that they serve French fries out of them and they're called chip wagons or fry trucks. Okay. Much like the food trucks you see all yeah. through America, but these are more vintage. So there's, my town's most famous thing is a fry truck, like one of these trucks. It's been there since 1970. It's still there and it's packed all the time. What's it called? And it's called Wes's, Wes's Chips. Okay. And they only sell fries. They don't even sell gravy, just <laughs> fries. They're like, you, would you like vinegar on your fries? No, then get here, your fries are done, get out. Oh so anyway, I worked across the street. You'd smell the fries. KFC was over here on the corner. You could smell that. I just ate there and there all the time. <laughs> and I just <laughs> ate and ate and ran a car wash. And we were at the age where we'd get somebody to go to the liquor store for us or the beer store. Yeah. So we called this guy, the D-man, and we'd call him up on a Friday night. We'd be like, how do you feel like getting your car washed for free tonight? <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'm having dinner right now, but I can drop over around 7. Well, that's fine. We'll be waiting. So the next <laughs> thing you know, this guy from high school comes over, and he's like a senior, and he's like, we give him the list of what we want from the booze store, and then he goes and gets it for us, and then we come back, and we'd run him through the car wash, but we'd close the door behind him, and then in the middle of the car wash, we'd shut down the car wash, my buddy would go through this, like, the, like there's a side door 
he would go into the side door, we'd open up the trunk, we'd get the stuff out of the trunk, we'd bring it in the back room, put it in the fridge, and then we'd put him through the rest of the car wash. This is like, uh, people, this is like how they- whole routine. Yeah, this is like a, a later season Breaking Bad episode, only it's to get <laughs> beer. Yeah, yeah, to get beer and then boo, and sometimes peach snaps, depending mm. if you wanted to meet a girl, you know? So, um, you know, and it was always snaps, like, yeah, you know? Yeah. I remember one time to impress a girl in college in our dorm room, I was like, you can just chug peppermint schnapps. And I just, you know, took like a big old just couple, you know, one, two, three gulps, and then sneeze barfed back up everything yeah. all over my <laughs> hamster's cage that I had just gotten. So I had to uh, like, it's hard to clean a hamster's cage that you no. just barfed on in oh. front of like a girl you're trying to be cool in front of. I know. Even, in, even with scope, you don't actually drink it. No, you just yeah. hold it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the logic is, is like, I drink scope all the time. No, you don't. <laughs> you spit it out. Okay, so you're working at this car wash. It sounds incredible. It sounds fun as fuck. Sounds like it peak. ended horribly. Oh, it ended horribly. Yes, good, yes. good. Of course, I'm a fuck up. No. So what happens is this family comes in one night, and they, we, I just turned off the lights. It's seven o'clock. It's dusk. We're we're closed. And this is a Ford, and we're a GM dealership. Get the fuck off our property, as far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not a NASCAR guy, but we're, we're a GM family, yeah. and Ford's in town, whatever. So anyway, um, <laughs> this Ford Tempest comes in, and it's the family, and it's a family from a trailer park, and they're they're the family that we used to, you know, make fun of and all that, and they want their they want the oil changed. So I'm like, oh, so I'm like, can you pop your hood? They don't even want gas. They just want to get their oil checked. So I open up the hood, and the man, he gets out. There's no need for him to get out. It's full service. And I'm already doing it. But he gets out, and as I put up the hood, he pulls the rod up the side and puts the rod in. Now, mind you, I turned the floodlights off already, so I'm like, it's, it's a little darker than Wait, usual. so you're saying he, you're saying just because you're doing a good job of this is audio, so he, like, pulled up the, so... The hood is locked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I lifted it. Yep, and, and then, then he locked put, it. He, he locked it, yep. but I didn't see him lock it as I was looking for the lock, and then I let the hood go, and it didn't move. I'm like, this is just the Ford where the hood just stays up. Right. So now I check <laughs> the oil, and I look at the oil. I bring him into the light. The oil's full. There's okay. no need for this to even happen. <laughs> I should already be on my bike driving home. Okay. So uh, I, I, go, I, go, I go, yeah, your oil's fine, sir. Now you can get back in the car and be on your way. And the whole family's there, and they all hate me from childhood. And, uh, <laughs> and so then I go to sh- close the hood, and they're like, oh, my God, the hood, the hood. And I'm like, and I'm having a tough time closing the hood. And then they're like, you're breaking it. And I look. And I see the bar. I'm like, oh, no. I pull the bar out. I put it down. I put the hood down. It's like curled up like this. <laughs> I folded the car hood in half. <laughs> and, and so I got fired. Um, but what happened was the old guy that came to fire me, uh, the, the manager, he fired me on the – that happened on a Friday, so I got fired on the Monday. Right. And he came in at the start of my shift. He goes – by the way, you're, you're, we're letting you go. Uh, we think you know why. 
Um, <laughs> he goes, you're, uh, he goes, tonight's your last shift. So just drop in your keys when you drop in the deposits tonight. And so I pick up the phone. I thought I was untouchable. My dad's a top car salesman. I <laughs> fucking picked up the phone. I'm bawling to my dad. I got fired. And my dad's like, for the, like, you know, they knew for the hood, but you'd think they would tell my dad first. Right. So basically my dad's like, they, they fired you. I was like, stupid, stupid family. I said their names. I'm like, family coming in. Why are they even, why, why are they even coming here? Why don't they go to the Ford dealership? You right. know? And then, and then, um, my dad comes over. He goes, no, if you're fired, you're fired. Get out from behind there. I'm driving you home. And then my dad called the guy that was my manager, ripped a piece of off of him, like gave him a piece of shit. Right. And then next thing you know, the guy had to come and cover my shift because nobody else would come and do it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So that happened. My oh. dad was always there to like take my side even after I'd fuck up. He's a right. great guy. That's so. amazing. Okay. So you get fired. See, I went and had to wash cars at my dad's dealership because I'd been fired from a different job. So, um, well, this was devastating because I got fired from basically a legacy job, what it yeah. seemed to be like. Yeah. And um, I went to look for a job. I couldn't find a job anywhere. And I went to this pizza place as a delivery boy and an errand boy and a cook. And uh, they hired me, but all the people who worked there were not cool like the last job so but luckily for me it was like a changing of the guard where two people quit so i got two of my friends in there yeah and the next thing you know is like there's three of us working in this place and we made it cool but it was already a great place because the food right. was great and it was a pizza place it was called pizza palace and it was my funnest job as a teenager just yeah be in there making pizza for this this old italian guy and he, him in his broken English, like, you know, you got to broom, you got to broom the floor and close the lights. And, you know, and, and, uh, he had daughters I all went to school with. So I knew his daughters from school. And then I had, like, I would have to do the dishes and the family would have dinner beside me as I did the dishes and they'd be having conversations. And then when they'd fight, they'd switch to Italian. Oh, incredible. But, yeah, so then you knew it was getting serious. Yeah. So then I just always asked the youngest daughter, what was going on back then? You know, because she'd <laughs> say anything because she was like a kid, right. you know? But yeah, but it was great working there. And we had this uh, guy who was from Newfoundland. And now in Canada, people always make fun of Newfoundlanders and they tell Newfie jokes. It's Canada's form of racism. Uh -huh. And uh, it's so, but we had a Newfoundlander that worked with us there. And he was not the brightest person. And one time, uh, they used to have Lotterio, like, a, uh, like, like the lotto on the TV. And you used to watch it every week to see if your numbers were, were up. So this guy, one night, he was watching the lotto on a Saturday night. And he has a cigarette pack. And as the numbers are coming up, he's writing them on a cigarette pack. And then the phone rings for a pizza. He goes, he takes the phone. He, come, he gets off the phone. He orders the pizza. He makes the pizza. He comes back in. He goes, oh, the lottery's on. And he watches the numbers. And he's like, he pulls the cigarette pack out. And he's looking at the cigarette pack. And now he's matching the numbers up to the numbers on his cigarette pack that he just wrote down right. 10 minutes ago. Not maybe five minutes ago. <laughs> this guy, he must have been so fucking high. 
when he like he must have been smoking dope every delivery yeah. because this is like the best thing. So he looks at the numbers. He looks at the numbers. He realizes, oh my god, my cigarette pack's got all the winning numbers. <laughs> right. He fucking says he won the lottery, <laughs> and he starts telling my boss off, and he's calling a stupid WOP, and he's saying all these things, and we're all laughing because he's holding a cigarette pack, thinking it's a lottery ticket. It's not. You just copied them. You have lottery tickets still in his pocket. So he said, why don't you check your lottery ticket instead of your cigarette pack? And then he pulled out the ticket and he looked and the numbers are all different. You realize what, what he did. Yeah. And uh, shame. Oh, so good. So oh, good. And so sweet. That's but incredible. You can eat whatever you want there. And if my advice to people out there is, if you don't tip your pizza driver, you need to start. Because a lot of times they're the people making the pizza. And if they know your address and they know you don't tip, you're getting extra flavors on there you might not know about. Oof. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I worked at Papa John's and I was jealous of the drivers because they would get tips and we wouldn't because I made the pizzas. Yeah. So, um, so at least there, I don't know why I'm giving a promo for Papa John's. Uh, there, there is a difference between who's making the pizza and who's delivering the pizza. But in small towns, yeah, absolutely. The drivers are making the pizzas. Yeah. Every small town pizza we had to compete with was a mom and pop shop until big town pizza came in and tried to take all the business away. But we survived yeah. and then yeah. eventually it burnt down. So, you know, <laughs> it burnt down eventually yeah. by the, by the newfie. Did the newfie burn it down? No, the newfie didn't burn it down. But there was one time there was a guy that burnt down a rest. There was a guy named Schmoogles in my high school. That was his nickname. And he lived above another restaurant called Jim's restaurant. And he got really stoned one night and he tried to make pierogies and he boiled the pierogies too long. And then they caught on fire and there was a grease fire and, uh, and it wrecked the restaurant beneath it because there was a, or the floor was damaged. So they had to fix the roof. And then everybody said, uh, the, oh, no, he wasn't making pierogies. He's making fries. Oh, okay. French fries. So then the, so then the, uh, the story around school was uh, Schmoogle's fries are so good. They put gyms out of business. <laughs> I that's a good joke. That's a great joke for high schoolers. Oh, dude, it's a good joke for any small that's, town that this stuff happens. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's surprising when you look back and like, wow, that was really funny. And I yeah. was 16. Okay, so you're you're doing all these jobs and all this shit. When does when do you start thinking about comedy? I announced it to my family. I knew when I was 14 that I wanted to be a comedian because of Delirious. Yeah, and I was a big. Um, SNL junkie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's and, like, dude, and plus you're there, you're watching, I'm sure with like Farley, Sandler, like yeah. it's incredible. Your high school years are when you really discover SNL. Yeah. And that's, so your high school years match up with who you match up with. So mine was like 87 to 90, 92. Yeah. So you're so, Phil Hartman. You're a Phil Hartman man. Phil Hart. Oh, I love Phil Hartman. Yeah. I, I'm John Good friends with I his mean, brother uh, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, uh, Farley, Farley was my hero. Yep. Uh, like I used to, when I read Chris Rock's book or no, yeah, no, no, Chris Farley's book and Chris Rock tells the story about oh, the, the Chris Farley show. Yeah. And it's the so story good. about the L wait, hold on. Let's do a quick, uh, listeners, listen, read the Chris Farley show. It's an incredible book about Chris Farley. It's great. Okay. It's amazing. And it's written by everyone who's ever loved him except for Adam Sandler. I don't know why he's not in the book. But oh, sure yeah. there was reasons. Look, yeah. look at what he gave him a song on the on the set. Like it was amazing. 
I cry every time I fucking hear that Chris Farley song. Yeah. And I listen to it again and again. He was like one of my heroes because he was fat and funny. Well, and that's, you say just, but for, I'm a fat guy, right? So sure. we tend to like, I looked up to John Candy. I looked up to Chris Farley. I looked up to those heavy set guys that could really, you know, just deliver. And, Man, John um, Candy's one of the best, like literally one of the best actor, like actors bar none ever. Like that dude yeah. could be, he could be so funny and then so, his feelings, you could just see how hurt his feelings would get. It was like, oh my God, this guy's a fucking, like planes, trains, and automobiles. Holy shit. It's incredible. Yeah, okay. He, yeah. I'm it's, sorry. It's, it's, no, it's amazing. I never saw, I'd say this right now, planes, trains, and automobiles, I never saw for the longest time. And uh, Rory Scovel and I are great buds. And Rory used to always say that I'm John Candy to his Steve Martin, but I never saw the movie. And then one Christmas I watched it and I called him up and I said, now I understand everything yeah. and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, John Candy's a wonderful guy in that movie. He's so great. He is. He's just, he's just a mess. Yeah, uh, he's so funny, man. So uh, um, I love that movie. Okay, but you, you were talking about the Chippendale sketch uh that chris rockwell yeah oh yeah, yeah like he said that chris he said that farley didn't like the sketch and he never wanted to do the sketch but when i saw the sketch i was i thought it was brave and i thought it was uh, fearless right. of him to do that sketch and then to read about it and realize that he did want to do it and the sketch is so mean because he doesn't win in it and i'm like it totally like it brought tears to my eyes because yeah. you know it humanized my hero yeah. you know and um and it's just great and like so those years were just amazing. And Norm, it was my, basically, Eddie Murphy got me into comedy. Yeah. And then when I moved to Ottawa uh, to go to college, I read an article on stand-up and Norm McDonald, because Norm is also from Ottawa. And uh, it said, Norm, blah, 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 SNL, all this stuff. And then at the end, it says, new talent night at Yuck Yucks, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized there's a comedy club there, and that's where I always wanted to go. So I read the article on Norm. And I called the comedy club and I started there. I tried out there like two weeks later. That's incredible. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's why yeah. I got, that's why I got into standup. I read a book on Sam that said he did, I wanted to be on SNL. It said he did standup comedy first. I said, okay, that seems possible in Iowa. Like I, I, I can't take second city classes, but I can do this. I went to, I moved to Toronto. My goal was to take second city classes, but then my buddy talked me out of it. Cause he said, you're just basically paying for the name. If you take theater sports, you'll learn just as much. Yeah. and be cool and uh i ended up not taking anything right yeah <laughs> i took i took a class in second city but by the time it's that well known of a thing that like people from iowa or uh prior town i can't like arm yeah. prior are yeah. moving to a place to take a thing that they read about it's probably already like over its coolness well in canada it's different because we had sctv was a show oh yeah so we watched it. I grew up, well, before Saturday Night Live, I watched Second City. Yeah. And I grew up on Martin Short and John Candy from that and all the great uh, actors that came from that. And then, you know, then it sort of went into Saturday Night Live through high school. Right. And then, you know, but anyway, um, in high school, uh, pizza place. And then I graduated and uh, I had to get a job at a commissary for a year before mm -hmm. going off to college. And then I got out to college. And ended up working for the Wait, same one company go, for the rest of my life. Okay. Where did you go to college for? Uh, I went to college for hotel restaurant management. Okay. Because at the time I thought Sam Malone seemed like a good living. Like if I could be like Sam Wait, Malone. The guy from Cheers? 
yeah, if I could be behind a bar and just make friends laugh and make money, yeah. that seemed like a good life. So you're, you went to college to be a, a, fake, char- a fake character from a TV show. Yes. Okay. W- without the baseball part. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just like the idea of a bartender. Uh, people no, liking them. Cheers really romanticizes and makes drunks seem like they're fun and funny, and they're not. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> Those guys would all be miserable and awful. If you were going to that bar that much, your life is a nightmare. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so what it did do is I got my degree in hotel restaurant management, and then I ended up working at the two uni- years in Kate. Catering. The University of Ottawa? No, uh, Algonquin. It's a college, community okay. college. And then um, I ended up getting a job catering with this company called Lone Star right. Cafe. Wait, and quick, quick I, question. Um, are you doing – when did you first go on stage? Are you doing stand-up all through college? I started um, 94 in um, – I think it was my first year and even college. Okay. That's when I did stand up. Okay. And okay. then um, the second C year, uh, I won a contest for some hockey tickets uh, at school for doing stand up. So that was kind of cool. But there's, but really, I'd already had uh, sets under like, like you get like my first year, I might have did maybe seven or eight sets in a year, and uh-huh. that was like a lot. And then the next year, it doubled, and then the next year, it doubled, and then you know, eventually, like. There were no open mics when I was coming up. I came up in the, the boom hit yep. and then fell. And I came up in that bubble where it was trying to restart the boom. And then the boom never really hit, but Tom Green just fucking did everything himself. Dude, Tom- it's like, he's the, he's the godfather of a style of comedy that, that the, the fucking look at, there'd be no jackass without Tom Green. Yeah. I mean, and- I, I'm going camping with, um, Eric Andre this weekend, like, and he's like, yeah, Tom Green is OG created the style of comedy that I do. Like, I'm not, I'm not putting words in Eric's mouth, but like he, it's Tom, true. he's like, Tom Green is, Tom Green is a fucking God. Like, and he does he not get enough credit. And I agree. No, His he's, show he's crazy. was so funny. And I can't believe, so wait, so you got to be there when it was actually a public access show, not a I, fucking Times Square MTV show. Yeah. I turned, I had friends that worked on the show and uh, like, I have like friends that worked on the show and like, it was, it was crazy because before I recognized him before any of this comedy started because he was a rapper. He had a rap career. The first time I saw Tom Green was in high school. I went and saw the Bare Naked Ladies first show. Okay. And Tom Green opened up for the Bare Naked Ladies. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. He's, he used to be in a band called Organized Rhyme and be like, and they had a nomination, a Canadian Grammy nomination, like check the OR, you like it so far, or love the O. And they had another song called I Want Two for 92. And it was like all in 92. Yeah. And like they were, if you ever want to check something out, Tom, one time on, on YouTube, he had exhibit at his house. And he's like, you want to f- do some freestyling? And exhibit sort of laughed him off because he didn't, he just knows he's a comedian. He doesn't yeah. know that he's an award winning rapper from Canada. <laughs> You know, yeah. so all of a sudden Tom fucking drops a beat and fucking does this freestyle and just exhibits like, what the fuck? Like he got schooled. 
Yeah. And it was great. And like, Tom is amazing. I wish I knew him better. All my, my friends that know him better, but he's incredible. And he did everything. He did his own thing. And we were all like, I remember I said, Hey, I, you don't want to have some comedians on your show. And he was like, uh, no, but I like characters. If you can come up with a character, give me a call. And he gave me his card. And this is like in 95, I think. Yep. So, you know, it was kind of cool, you know, and, uh, and, and he still comes back to Ottawa. He's such a champion for that city. And uh, back in the day, he would bring Drew Barrymore to town or Monica Lewinsky to town. And everybody would be like, what the fuck is he doing? And he'd just go, come to town to fuck with the newspapers <laughs> and then do nothing. Like, and you have Monica Lewinsky in town. They're like, what's going to happen? Nothing happened. He announced her mittens that she was sewing or something like that. It was just ridiculous. Dude, that he's guy the is, best. He's, that he's guy the best. I was so, in a... I've been in, on a, I you know, he, I was just in a hotel, not room with him, but an elevator with him. It was just me and him, at just for laughs. And of course, I'm drunk, and um, and I just like I say, like, I gotta say something. And I was just, I think I, I just said like, you're very important to my comedy career, <laughs> you know, because he was, yes. he was such a big, and he was just like so nice, like thank you, uh, and, you know. And, and then I was like, ah, uh, and then there's just you know awkward silence because I'm just like I don't know what else to say. But man, I just really fucking love that guy, and I, I I'm so stoked you do too. He's a he's a he's a Canadian treasure. Uh, so so um, so anyways, I started working with this catering company, and now here's where we get to a good story. You'll like this because okay. I remember when you had Matt McCarthy on your show, or maybe it was I somebody was on your show that I was listening to, and you mentioned Van Halen, in, in backstage or something. And you're like. I used to cater concerts, okay. and I catered Van Halen in 95, the balance tour. Mind you, I am a Van Halen fanatic. Correct. And I went to the show on the Friday night in Toronto, and then I drove back the next day, went to sleep. The next day I was on site for 6 a.m., and the trucks roll in at 8 a.m., and this is – I had seen Van Halen that point um, probably about – one, two, three, four, five. But it was six. This might have been my sixth time seeing them. Okay. But I never knew what went into a production, and I was on I was on the site from six in the morning till two in the morning, and it was crazy, like okay. to see everything. So the first thing was I had to cook breakfast for all these truckers that come in and all the workers. They all had night cross trainers on that had Van Halen logos on them. So then I'm trying to swap shoes. Yeah. Anybody have a thirteen? Anybody have a thirteen? Like, I wanted a pair of the shoes, but yeah. they're like, we can't sell our shoes. They're, they're given to us by Van Halen. They got a Van Halen logo on yeah. it, you know? And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, you know? Like, I, so, and also, uh, I'm not wearing anything with sleeves. I'm wearing a, a cutoff jean shirt because it was the 90s, but I have a Van Halen tattoo, oh like, my right God. here. Yes, incredible. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, not a good idea to have this guy backstage at Van Halen concert. I'm just <laughs> you, telling you that you're, wearing, you're wearing a sleeveless denim vest with a Van Halen Van Halen tattoo catering Van Halen. This is yes. fully like the Chris Farley show. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like that. And the whole thing is, is there is stuff in the riders that you have to do, yep. but there is stuff not in the riders that I know from reading Metal Edge. Okay. All right? So, like, for example, Eddie Van Halen likes his spaghetti extra starchy. It does not say that in the rider. So they're cooking this pasta up for Eddie Van Halen, and he comes walking down, and my God, is he short. 
and he's wearing the jeans that he's going to be wearing on stage later. He's wearing a shirt. He's got no shirt on. His cigarette hanging out. He fucking just cool. I'm like, oh my god, he's walking towards. Oh my god, fucking anybody else? So he yeah. fucking comes up, and he's like, hey man, and he likes to eat pasta before the sound check because he carbs up for the concert. That's what he does. I okay. know this because I read. So okay. anyway, uh, and I'm so anyway, he comes in and he goes, hey guys, uh, I was just wondering if uh, my pasta's gonna be ready soon. I was like, oh yeah, no problem, Mr. Van Halen. We're right on it. Um, we're just. Uh, Making it just a, a little extra starchy. And then he goes, he goes, what? A little extra starchy? I was like, yeah, we're just going to leave it in a little longer. Just make it a little extra starchy for you. He goes, that's how I like it. I'm like, oh, well, super. That's how I like it too. <laughs> but I totally knew. Yeah. So then I'm like, I'm like, get the pasta. And I'm like, I'm bringing it into him. So like, this is like, I'm going to get to meet Eddie man. Like, ah. So anyways, I had a deal with them. I had a deal with I get the concert and the sound check off regardless. I don't, I want to watch the sound check. I want to watch the concert. So I bring it into him and the pasta and, uh, and I said, I'm sorry, there's no metal spoon. I'm so sorry. I don't know why they just, they should have foreseen it, but all the other, he's like, Oh, no worry, man. Hey man, thanks. And then I was, and I put the pasta down and then I'm about to walk out. And it's like, dude, you're never going to have another opportunity. Yep. And I stopped and I went full Farley. Yeah. I went, I was like, excuse me, Mr. Van Halen. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I just want to thank you for all the music that you've ever created because it's a soundtrack to my life. And I wouldn't know what my life was like without Van Halen. And just, you mean everything to me. I saw you Friday night in Toronto. It was the best concert I've ever seen. And I've seen you guys five times. I was like, look, I got, I got this Van Halen tattoo. And then he goes, he goes, oh, that's the same as mine. Come here. And then we're there, and we put our arms together. No and he way. Goes, yeah, and he goes, he goes, holy shit, man, your tattoo's better than mine. And then I said, yeah, but yours is on your arm. And realized <laughs> that was the dumbest thing ever to say. No, it's perfect. So, so then he says, hey, after the show, uh, make sure to catch up with me. I'll give you a guitar, a couple picks, and we'll take a picture if you have a camera. I was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, you have a great show tonight. He's like, no problem. I'm like, dude, if it's anything like Toronto, I know it's going to be the best. And he's like, you go see after the show. I was like, oh, I fucking walk out. I am on, like, well, Van Halen song, Top of the World. Yeah. I am fucking so euphoric. Nobody can do anything to bring me down. I get walk, I get out there, the road manager, his name. Okay, sorry. So the computer okay. had a little glitch. So uh, you're on top of the world. You everything's going fucking perfect. You walk out. Yeah, I walk out. I walk out of there, and I'm mind blown. And all of a sudden, the road manager. Uh, I'm talking to Scotty Ross. Scotty Ross is like, blah blah blah. The guitar tech's there playing the guitar. They're just talking. The road manager's like, hey, can I see you for a second? And then Eddie comes out and does some talking to Scotty Ross, and uh, and then I. Uh, the road manager pulls me away from Eddie specifically. Yeah. And can I talk to you for a second? He goes, what? He goes, look it, I don't fucking care how many concerts you go see or how many tattoos you fucking have or how many albums you buy. Oh no. He goes, when you fucking see my friends, you don't fucking talk to them. You don't get paid to talk to them and you don't have the right to talk to them. <laughs> he goes, and you know what? If I see you talking to my buddies again, I'm going to knock your fucking block off. Oh my like, 
God. I was like, I could not imagine. Like, I was like, because I was so high. Yeah. Was, like, fucking, he, I, he felt like he did hit me. Yeah. And then I was so upset. I fucking went into the catering trailer and I put my fist through the fucking wall in the catering oh. trailer. Oh, I was man. so fucking angry. Oh. So, so later on that night, after the concert, I noticed all the security guards and everybody that worked backstage are getting pictures and things autographed by Eddie. So I get one of the caterers. I was like, here. And I give him my tour magazine. And I said, take this and get it autographed. He goes, by who? I'm like, the guy in the fucking picture. Match him up. <laughs> you know? It's like this guy doesn't understand the fundamentals of guess who? Come on! So this guy goes up and he gets, he's the last one. And he gets the autograph. And Eddie signs it, Eddie Van Halen, via 95. It was 1995. And uh, fucking the road manager sees my buddy getting the autograph. And then he calls him over, away from Eddie. And he says, you don't ever talk to my fucking friends again. If I ever see you talk to my friends again, yeah. I'll fucking knock your fucking block off. And then he goes to him. And you tell your fat fucking friend he better stay away as well. Oh, no. So yeah. So the guy comes back and he goes, he's holding the mag the book. He's like, You got me in trouble. <laughs> and the guy and I was like, What do you mean? Did you want to go? He goes, I don't think that guy likes you very much. And I was like, What guy? He goes, The manager. I was like, What about him? He goes, He said if I talk to the guy again, I'm gonna get my block knocked off. <laughs> and he said you tell your fat fucking friend to stay away as well. And then I felt really bad. I'm like, did you get the autograph or not? He goes, yeah. I was like, good job. I'm Get out of here. You know, and I signed him out. Yeah. And uh, he was gone. What, but, was that, um, what's that, what was the tour manager's name? Bob Diets. Bob? D-I-A-T-Z, I think, or something like that. Fucking fuck you, Bob Diets, you piece yeah. of trash. Eddie Van Halen had no problem talking to a real fan who was getting some starchy-ass pasta. You exactly. are an asshole. The way he likes it. So that's probably like one of my best stories. But I ended up working at the, the restaurant, the Lone Star Cafe, eventually. And this is our close on this. It's probably my best story. Okay, great. So, I can't wait. So, 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 uh, so basically, I worked for this Texan who played in football. He, he tried out for Houston. Uh, Oilers, he didn't make it, or he had maybe a preseason game with Dallas. Anyways, he came up to the CFL uh, and started playing for the Ottawa Rough Riders, which is our Canadian Football League team. Mm -hmm. So we have the Ottawa Rough Riders, and as he played with the Ottawa Rough Riders, he had a five, six-year career there, went to Winnipeg, won a Grey Cup uh, Super Bowl in right. Winnipeg, and then uh, came back to Ottawa because he liked Ottawa, and he opened up a franchise and was the first Tex-Mex place in Canada. So he's the guy responsible for bringing Tex-Mex to Canada and Tex-Mex cuisine, like fajitas and enchiladas and all the stuff. So, you know, everybody's fusion now. Fuck, he did it in the 80s with Tex-Mex. Yeah. So anyway, um, it, was, it was, he was a great guy. And uh, he's just, he would always be around the restaurant. He was always fun. He was very intimidating because he's such a big man. Yeah. So anyways, one day he comes up to me. This year, you know, this, we're in 1997 right now. He comes up to me and he goes, Casey? And I was like, hey, Val. He goes, I heard you like wrestling. And I was like, yeah, I love wrestling. Why? He goes, you know a wrestler by the name of The Undertaker? And I said, do I know The Undertaker? <laughs> and 
He's like, yeah, do you know The Undertaker? I was like, well, everybody knows The Undertaker, Val. He's the fucking Undertaker. Yeah. And then he goes, he's like, oh, so you know who The Undertaker is? I'm like, yeah, it's The Undertaker. He's like, the, I just want, you know? Yeah. So he goes, he goes, he goes, well, The Undertaker and I grew up together. Our daddies used to be best friends, and I used to throw him around all the time. And I was like, no, that's impossible <laughs> because everybody knows that the Undertaker's daddy died in a funeral parlor fire. Yeah. And <laughs> he did not find that funny at all. He was like, he didn't die in a funeral parlor fire. He didn't because he doesn't know the Undertaker's right. character. He just knows the Undertaker, you know, is yeah. who he grew up with. So he's like, so when I said a funeral parlor fire, he was like, he didn't die in a funeral parlor a fire. And I was like, oh, never mind. Anyways, he goes, well, He's like, if you ever are at a wrestling and you see The Undertaker, you tell him I said hello, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Next time I have a beer with a fucking dead man, I'll be like, oh, yeah, guess what we got to talk about? Well, Belcher, you know? So, <laughs> oddly enough, the way the world works, it's two months later. It's the night after the Montreal screw job. It's, okay. it's Ottawa. And then the next night is the WWE taping of Raw in Cornwall. Uh, right on the border. So I'm at both shows. I'm at the, I didn't go to the Survivor Series true job. I made a wrong choice and I regret it very much. <laughs> I was at the next, I was supposed to meet Bret Hart the next night in Ottawa, but unfortunate circumstances changed everything. Yeah. He, I spit, didn't get to he, meet he spit on Vince McMahon in front of everyone and the cameras. Yeah. yeah. And Vince didn't even make the show because he was in the hospital in Montreal still. <laughs> yeah. Cause before. Because Brett, so, the hip, if you don't know what the Montreal yeah. screw job is, uh, basically Vince McMahon screwed. Uh, well, it's a it's a whole thing. Bottom line, uh, a real pro wrestler beat up Vince McMahon, uh, and it's incredible. It's the yeah. best story ever. So, so what happened was, the next day I'm at the Raw. Everybody's talking about Vince. Uh, my hookup to meet Vince with Brett, where he had his premiere there, uh, and, and all this and all that, and it really sucked. And then the next night, my buddy who is trying out for the WWE said he'd leave me tickets for Cornwall. So I drove down with a friend to Cornwall and uh, I brought my buddy who's the biggest uh, wrestling fan. I know we go down to Cornwall. There's no tickets for us. We just start walking around the building, trying to find an entrance, trying to find anything. We find this guy who is like, you guys need tickets. He goes, you can have my tickets. So he gives us his tickets. And then he goes, you want these backstage passes? And we're like, what? And he was like, yeah, turns out, there used to be a motorcycle gang in the WWE called the DOA, Disciples of Apocalypse, and they used to ride to the ring in motorbikes. And the, what they did when they went town to town was they'd just go to the Harley shop, borrow some Harleys, and then, you know, give the guy free tickets and uh, a plug for the Harleys or whatever. So they get the Harleys in each town the way Godfather got the strippers in each town. Right. So local. So anyways, he gave us his tickets. So we had these backstage passes and after all, we didn't know where to go. So we just said, just go to the, let's just go to the docking bay. Everybody's got to go out through the exit, the back. We'll just go there. And then sure enough, all the wrestlers started coming out. Um, now my buddy, he's the biggest Undertaker mark and knows everything about the Undertaker. This is 97. So a couple of the first people come out, like Brian Lee comes out and uh, a couple other wrestlers come out. And then all of a sudden, no, Brian Lee, the fake Undertaker, comes out, and he's one of the motorcycle guys, right. and he's with Stone Cold. And we had two pictures on our camera left, and we said, make it for someone good. We both decided we wanted our pictures with Stone Cold 
and those are the last two pictures. Right. So I have a picture with Stone Cold. I'll, I'll send you the picture as well. Oh, yeah, we'll put it in, the, we'll uh, put it in Instagram, yes. Yeah, so I met Stone Cold. Then our picture thing was done. We still waited for more wrestlers, more wrestlers. They all came out. We got to meet everybody, got to talk to everybody. Didn't really bother anybody. And then that was it. And then um, I, we were like, well, that's pretty much everybody. I said, yeah, but The Undertaker, should we wait a little longer? Mm-hmm. And then my buddy's like, oh, fuck yeah, we got to meet The Undertaker. So sure enough, we wait about 10 more minutes, nobody comes. And then all of a sudden, the last minute, fucking Undertaker comes out, full leather duster, yep. uh, hair back, uh, showered, bandana, glasses. Still very and much Undertaker. He's Undertaker all the time. Yeah. And the only thing not making him Undertaker is a little trolley bag. Yeah. He's a little airplane bag. So he's got his airplane bag and he walks up and he's standing there. And my buddy's like, oh my God, Undertaker, you're my favorite wrestler of all time, Undertaker. Oh my God. Now, when my friend met Jimmy Snuka years before this, yeah. He met Jimmy Snuka and he said to Jimmy Snuka after the match, he said, Jimmy, can I ask you a question? He goes, what? He goes, WrestleMania 7, you wrestled a virtually unknown by the name of Mark Calloway, who went on to become The Undertaker. Did you know when he pinned you for the one, two, threes that he had the great makings that the dead man would have today? <laughs> and Jimmy Snooker went, what? <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And that was, that was the conversation. Okay. My buddy is an Undertaker, just crazy. Yeah. When he, we, we went stone cold earlier, he couldn't stop talking to Brian Lee because he was like, is it true that you were the best man at The Undertaker's wedding? He's yeah. like, yeah. And he goes, and is it true that you uh, were the Undertaker? Yeah, I was the fake Undertaker. Yeah. And he goes, oh, that's awesome. I'm such a big fan of The Undertaker. And but like, meanwhile, Stone, tell- Stone Cold's right there. Yeah, I'm talking hunting with Stone Cold, yes. trying to ignore The Undertaker. <laughs> so I was like, you're not going to get out to hunt at all this November, Stone Cold? He's like, God damn it, I want to get up there and yeah. maybe try to get a deer, but I don't know if I'm going to have time, you know? So, because I just need to talk hunting. You know, yeah. he loves hunting. Yeah, you, so to, yes. you know? just try to meet so, them on a personal basis. Yeah. So, anyway, Undertaker comes out. My buddy starts, can I take your trolley? Can I do this? Can I do that? And, and then he's like, then the whole time he's like, oh, my God, I don't know what I want. I'm, I've always wanted to meet you, and I never knew what I wanted to say. And I don't know what I want to say. And he's like stuttering, and it's like a mess. It's embarrassing. <laughs> and then, and then he, goes, he goes, can I take your trolley to your – your tour bus. The Undertaker was the only one who had a tour bus and it looked exactly like The Undertaker. It was gray, purple, black with lightning. Yep. And it was The Undertaker's tour bus. It's like, whose is that? The Undertaker's, yes. obviously. So he took, while he took the tour bag away, I'm standing by myself with The Undertaker. And I'm like, holy fuck, I've got something to say to this guy. <laughs> so I look at him He's just looking ahead. He's, I didn't occur to me why he was still staying there. He was waiting for something, but uh, yeah. it didn't occur to me. So I said, excuse me, Mr. Taker. Yeah. He's still in fucking glasses on mode. Yes. And I was like, uh, we have a friend in common. Uh, I, I work at a Tex-Mex restaurant called Lone Star Cafe. And I work for a big old Texan by the name of uh, Val Belcher. And then all of a sudden... He takes off his glasses <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, Val, no Undertaker voice. Right. Val, just Val Belcher from Houston, Texas. <laughs> and I was like, yes. I was like, yes. Val Belcher from Houston, Texas. And he goes, he goes, 
I grew up with Val Belcher from Houston, Texas. He goes, our daddies were best friends. Oh, I said, that's what he told me. But then I said, impossible, because we know your dad died in the funeral part of the fire. <laughs> he did not laugh at all. He no sold the funeral parlor fire. It's uh, two strikes on the funeral parlor that yes. does not work. Doesn't work. So, so anyways, he's like, he's like, I was like, yeah, I've known Val since I was like 13 years old. He hunts at my hunt camp. Mm -hmm. uh, I work for him in his restaurant. I said, I, I know you're going to Toronto tomorrow. If you want a free meal, a Texas meal, I just go into the restaurant. They'll feed you for free because you're the undertaker. But name drop Val anyways, yeah, uh, because it's cool. And he's like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "He's like, can you do me a favor?" <laughs> and like, I don't know before, and then I'm like, "Oh, and also, I'm sorry about my friend. He's just one of those big, big fans of yours." He goes, "I know, I get him every now and again." Yep, yeah. And then he goes, "He's like, can you do me a favor?" I'm like, "What's that?" He goes, "Can you tell Val that Mark Calloway says hello?" And I was like, "Okay." And he goes. I'm Mark. And I was like, I know, <laughs> which I should have introduced myself back because right. he was introducing himself yeah. to me. Yeah. But I never even thought about mentioning my name. Yeah. I just said, I know because I'm also starstruck right now. Yeah. So I say, I know. I say, I'm sorry about my buddy. My buddy comes back. And as he comes back, he's like, I still don't know what to say. I still don't know what to say. And then a road agent comes with this really hot, hot blonde. And she's, as my buddy's trying to say, I don't know what to ask you. He still wants to ask a question. Right. Uh, the girl is saying, Mark, let's go. Mark, let's go. Now I'm picking up what's going on here. Yep. He's waiting for someone. She is not Sarah, the girl tattooed on his neck. Okay. Clearly, he's on the road. Yep. That's all he's doing. He's an athlete, right? So he's – I see the situation. Um, my buddy is still saying, I don't know what to say. And then my buddy finally just gives up. He goes, I don't know. How are your wife and kids? Oh, no! <laughs> this is my face. I'm like no. – I looked at him. And then the undertaker – Fucking, this is the best. The Undertaker took off his glasses. He looked at my buddy. His eyeballs were rolled into the back of his fucking head. He gave him the fucking white eyes. Yep. And he dropped, he fucking, my buddy dropped to his knees and started begging him, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. And he said, the Undertaker with his eyes rolled into his back head said, you claim to know me? You talk to me as if you know me. And then my buddy was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then my undertaker just fucking, the undertaker just put his glasses back on and he fucking walked out in the November fog and he just drifted through that fucking parking lot away. And I never saw him again the until greatest. I went to wrestling. But, right. I mean, incredible. How yeah. fun. Yeah, and then I got to go back to my boss and be like, dude, you know the fucking Undertaker. <laughs> That's great, Casey. This is super fun. And then, so, uh, but all this happens, in, then, but now you're full-time, now you're a comedian, you have... Uh, I kept that job at the restaurant for 20 years of my life. I worked there through different restaurants, versions of the restaurant. Like, right. I worked in Ottawa there. I worked yeah, but, in three but I'm of just the restaurants. Saying, 
Yeah. But but I'm just saying because we're like, forever. Yeah, but, but now but but now you're fucking one of the, uh, incredibly funny yeah. comic. One of, uh, so funny to watch. Uh, you have a podcast called I Talk Wrestling, right? Talk and wrestling. Talk talking yeah. wrestling. Sorry, T- sorry. T a l k n like I'll Hulk put, Hogan's rock and wrestling, but talk right. and wrestling. I'll, there there'll be a. Uh, a link in this episode description. Also, will you send me send me a stand up clip that you uh, want me to, to promote? Yeah, yeah, so, sure. Because or I'll just uh, just my Spotify. But just uh, okay, yeah. Spotify. I'll put a link to it in this episode description. Check out Casey's stand up. I mean, fuck, dude. You're the, one of the best storytellers I've ever interviewed. I don't fantastic. tell stories on stage. I do stand up on stage. I know, but <laughs> this was so fun. Thank you so much, man. I really enjoyed oh, it. Thank you. I knew you'd love the 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 uh, the Undertaker story. Who wouldn't? Story. Who wouldn't? They're just, incredible. Uh, you're, you're yeah, just yeah. I, I personally, I think my favorite was that you 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 folded a a poor family's hood up. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wild one. All right, Casey, thanks so much for doing it, man. Guys, check out Casey's uh, all the shit he does. It's so fucking great. You're friends with all of my friends, uh, which means you are a good person. And thanks for being on, Casey. Um, thanks for having me and you know as always well anything else you want to plug um no just uh casey corbin on spotify yeah i'm casey corbin on all forms of uh, media there you go except instagram i'm comedian casey corbin boom but casey corbin everywhere else uh cool man well uh as you know as a big listener uh i always let the guests take us out so go ahead take us out all right uh hey folks i hope you enjoyed those stories you like the stories come see the stand-up or just watch it at home on youtube uh casey corbin check me out thanks brooks for having me on entry level entered Woo.